Reformed Church. You know, I know you may have uh, heard this before, and it may sound a little cliched to you, but um, it, it is so time, right, for us. Um, just time for us to be, uh, come active participants and mar- and partakers of the things that we've been given, right? It, it, it's been so long, right? Yeah, the church has been given so much. Um, every single believer, right, has the riches of the glory of God on the inside of them, the riches of the glory of God. The, the Bible calls it in Ephesians the inheritance that's in the saints, right? And yet so much of that, so, so much of that becomes just something that's so dormant on the inside of us. You know, for all intents and purposes on the outside, we live, we talk, we look like everybody else, right? Um, But that's not because we haven't been given something. That's not because we're not heavenly. That's not because we have not been given an exit out of this earth. It's just because, you know, we, it's so easy sometimes to, uh, to think the way you used to think instead of thinking in line with the new creation that you have been made. Um, but I, I do want to tell you this, though, that as easy as it is sometimes to slide back into just old ways and old stuff, it, it is, honestly, it is very, very simple and very easy to just ask the Lord and just tell him, Lord, you know what, I have a heart that's open to you, and I just want to know you more. Lord, teach me, right? Because there's no real burden on you to teach yourself. There's no burden on you to renew your own mind. You know, that, that's not your job, right? Our, our job is not to teach ourselves. You know, it, you know I guess we, we get used to that, going to school, at growing up in school, you know, the majority of our young lives, you know, you, you take it as your job to kind of teach yourself, to apply yourself, to learn, right? Um, to, you know, and even, I, I remember just talking to someone 16-year-old young man uh, the other day and just reminding him, right, that it, it should not be his responsibility at 16 years of age to decide what he's going to do for the rest of his life, right? Like, <laughs> we're, we're still correcting our 16-year-olds trying to get them to make their bed. How do we want them to figure out what they're going to do for the rest of their life, right? Like, we, that, that, that should not be a burden and a, and, and, um, a job that we give to our 16-year-olds is to figure out what they're going to do for the rest of their lives. Instead, we teach them how to seek the Lord. We teach them how to hear from God, you know. And, and, and you know what? It could be that everyone around them is just doing things according to the world, you know, but I, I just remember, you know, I'm just kind of reminded of Samuel, you know, Samuel lived, uh, who became obviously the prophet Samuel, Samuel lived in a time where the voice of God was rarely heard, right, the, the things of God became an, an anomaly, right, they weren't, they weren't the norm at that time with the people of Israel, they became an anomaly, people had very much reverted back to just traditions of men and ways of doing stuff, um, and yet he sought the Lord, right? He sought the Lord. His mother uh, gave him to be taken care of by a priest, and, he, and that wasn't actually what did it, right? What did it is that he was seeking the Lord. I mean, the priest that was, he was under, right, was, was really receiving from the things that the Lord was teaching Samuel, that young man. So it was just, th- the things of God were really an anomaly, but this young man just said, you know what? I just want to know you, Lord. Just speak to me. Um, and the Lord taught him and taught him. And, and, and that boy, Samuel, became, you know, w- one of the greater 
prophets of the Old Testament, so much so that he was never even intimidated by kings. He wasn't intimidated by King Saul. He was used to, uh, to anoint Saul, but he was also used to anoint David as king, right, which had, was in the, Christ came in the lineage of David. You know, so there was a lot that the Lord used Samuel for. So, so it's not, you know, I, I get sometimes the pressures that there are for adults and young people alike, right, to just conform and live according to the world. But I, I just, I want to encourage you, um, just s- seek after the Lord and let him teach you. Uh, let's not be, you know, the kind of people that, you know, we accept things as long as they sound normal to us, but that you would have, and this is what I was talking to you about a couple of services ago also, that you would just have a heart that's just wide open to the Lord. I know that you can't, you can't leave your mind wide open to men, right? Because men will teach you stuff that is deceptive. Men will teach you stuff that are not true. But with the Lord, just know that, right? You, you, you're, you're not vulnerable before him to be hurt, right? The Lord is not like that. The Lord is not a liar. The Lord will never lie to you. The Lord will never teach you something that is wrong. So if you've ever opened up your heart to anyone, right? Open up your heart to him, right? Open up your heart to the Lord. And, and even as you hear things here and, and you say, you know what, Lord, I, I don't know kind of what to make about that. that. This is not what I'm used to hearing. This is not what I've heard traditionally, right? You don't, you, don't, you don't have to make up your mind about everything right now. You just ask the Lord, you know what, Lord, this is what I heard being taught. Teach me, Lord, right? Like, like show me. I'm not trying to come up with any preconceived ideas because of what somebody else told me. I want to hear what you have to say about this. And that's why when we, whenever we teach you something, we try to make sure that the basis of what we're teaching you is, is according to Christ so that you can see the correlation between what we're saying and Jesus Christ. Because without that, right, Without that, there is really nothing holding that doctrine together. It'll fall apart. That's why people believe something today, and then it gets changed for something new tomorrow. But when you, when you grow up in the Lord, and you, you continue to grow in the things that are according to Jesus, he builds up. He builds on what you know instead of you having to let go of what you know to grab something new, and then you go with the next fad, right? But God doesn't teach like that. He doesn't, he doesn't grow you up with fads, right? He doesn't grow you up with things that are modern, right? There's no such thing as a modern gospel. The gospel that we teach is thousands of years old, right? Thousands and thousands of years old. It, this is not a new gospel. This is the same old gospel that the Lord told Abraham, the same gospel that he taught David, the same gospel that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John believed, the same gospel that was preached to the people of Israel is the same gospel that we preach today, right? It's just the same thing. So, um, so okay, so uh, with, with that said, um, let, let's see if we can begin. <clears throat> let's see, let's see. Um, okay, so th- there are, there's, there's a concept and there's things here that I'm still learning, so I'm going to be sure to let you know the things that I'm 100% sure of and the things that I'm still kind of growing in, in but th- there is uh, something that had happened to us, right? The day that we were saved, that we received the Spirit of God, um, and uh, that was circumcised, right? We were circumcised. Now, this is not the circumcision made by hands, right? In other words, like, like young men today probably... The majority of young men in the United States, right, when they're little babies, right, those little male babies get circumcised. That means the foreskin, their foreskin is removed, right, and they're circumcised. Uh, Very rarely does that not happen today, but that's more people do that for health reasons or whatever today. But back in the day, that was a custom that the people of Israel grew up with, that after eight days the male child would be circumcised, and after that circumcision he he would be given a name. 
right? So children normally were not named, right, by, the, by uh, custom, right? They weren't named at birth, but they were named after eight days. Um, now, th- there's an interesting correlation there, right? Because uh, there's an interesting correlation there between name and circumcision, right? Because if, if, if we were that are, the Bible says that we are the circumcision, right? In other words, we are... Um, Christians, people that believe in Christ, right, are the ones that through faith you are saved. And when you are saved, in other words, when you receive the Spirit of God, you, you are able to put off the sins of the body. In other words, the Lord gives you, uh, gives rest to your body where you no longer have to operate like the rest of the world does. In other words, the rest of the world operates kind of like this. They do something because they feel like it, Right? That's kind of the way the world works, right? They, they do something because they feel like it. So that means that if a person, you know, some people steal things, and if, you know, you would have asked them, well, why do you do that? Just because I felt like it, right? In other words, whatever the flesh desires, that's how they, they just kind of go with it, right? That's what they do. But, the, but, but that's not how we live, right? Because we have been given a spirit that is not of this world, but we have received the spirit of God. So that means that now the desires of our heart can come from the spirit of God and not from the body. So even though, yes, the body, our bodies still desire things and we still have thoughts that are not according to God and, and feel things that are not according to God, yet he has given us a liberty or a freedom to live by the spirit of God. In other words, for us to be able, something that you may have heard from a biblical text, right, to say we, we are to walk from Romans, he says, to walk in newness of life. So you, you're to walk in the newness of of life that you have, which is of God, and no longer in the oldness, right, of the flesh or of the law of Moses, right? So, 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 so what that means is that there is, that we have been made brand new in our spirit. So, so let me show you this real quick. So we are made up of three things, right? We're made up of a spirit, a soul, and a body, right? Spirit, soul, and body. Now, the day that you're saved, that you receive the spirit of God, the Bible says in, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians, I believe it is, uh, 5.17, right, that we're made a new creation. Old things are passed away, and behold, he says, all things have become new. So what is it of those three things that became new? Your body is the same, right? When people get saved, you don't see them get a brand new body. The body looks identical, right? If they, if they looked one way before they were saved, after they're saved, they look exactly the same, right? So it's not your body that's new. Your, it's, uh, your soul or your mind is not brand new. I mean, there are definitely portions of your thinking that have been renewed. In other words, today you believe and have faith in Jesus, and yesterday you did not, right? So that there is a, a portion of your mind that is renewed, but your mind, the entirety of your mind is not new. So there's only one part of you that is left, right? That is your spirit, right? And in, in Hebrews chapter 12, and I'll just read it to you really quick. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, <clears throat> and I'll give you the verse in a second. Hebrews 12, and we could read um, from verse 22, Hebrews 12, 22. It says, um, but you are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. It says, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, um, and, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. 
Just men means righteous people, right? Just is righteous, right? Just people that have been justified, right? We are the just. So uh, that's why the Bible says, right, that the just shall live by faith, right? Because that's how the just should live, is by faith, in other words, by knowing the Lord and not by the world, like we were just mentioning a few minutes ago. So, so here it says that it's our spirits that have been made perfect. So, so we know even though we have a body, right, and we have a mind, but it is, it is our spirit that's been made new. And the newness that we have, right, 2 Corinthians says, is of God. So you know that what kind of new it is, right? You, you may not know exactly what your spirit looks like, but you do know what it is like because it says that, that, that all things have become new and all things are of God. All things are of God. So this, this newness that we're talking about, that's why he calls it the newness of the spirit. That newness that you have is of God. Now, what that means is that um, when, when we talk about name, right? I don't know if you've ever, you know, just to kind of do a little rabbit trail here for a second. We, we talked about how when someone is circumcised, they're given a name, right? They, 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 eight, eight days after they are born, they are circumcised, and then they're named, right? Well, that name, there is a name that we've been given. In other words, there is a name that we go by. In other words, the name of the Lord, the name of God, in other words, who he is, is who our spirit is today in this world, right? Now, our body has not been, quote-unquote, adopted and made like his body, right? In other words, if you put our body, right, take my physical body, compare it to the body of Christ, right, not the church, the body of Christ, but the literal body of Christ, right, his body, he has a heavenly body, I have an earthly body, right? That's why it says that there are different types of bodies. There are celestial bodies and there are earthly bodies. Now, now the truth is that this body, this body, one day will be put off, right? So the part that I'm learning here, right, that I, I think I'm going to phrase it to you the best that I can this morning, and as we grow in this thing, then, you know, I'll be able to explain it to you better, but, but it's almost like, you know, we have been circumcised, right? In other words, we have, even though we still walk around in this body, we have been, been freed from it, right? In other words, we're not obligated to do whatever the body craves, right? We have been given a new way to live. We live by faith. We live by the Spirit of God. We walk in the Spirit, right? That's what, that's what when Galatians talks about walking walking in the spirit and not in the flesh, right? That's what he's talking about. We have a body, but you don't have to walk and, and obey its cravings or its lusts, its desires, right? Because we have now new desires from God. So, 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 that, is, so that, is, that speaks to our circumcision, the rest that our flesh has. But, but the, 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 the better way, this is what I'm saying, that I'm, I'm going to say it as best as I can right now, it's almost like that's our, there is a, a manifestation of our circumcision, Right? a manifestation of our circumcision. In other words, today we have rest of it from our body, but our body is still kind of hanging around. But there is a, a day coming where immortality, which is in us, will swallow up, the Bible says, mortality. In other words, this body will be consumed by life, right? More immortality will swallow up mortality. So that means that's where our heavenly body comes from, right? Christ was raised, his physical body was raised from the grave, and then he received a heavenly body, right? So he put aside his earthly body, which he had, right? He walked in. He was crucified in an earthly body. And he put on a heavenly body, right? Now, that body that Christ has right now is just like, it's a heavenly body, like the body of, his, of our father, right? His father and our father, both, right? We, we have the same father, right? He's called the son of God. We're called sons of God, children of God. So, so 
so the body is the same, right? He, there, there are heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies. He has a heavenly body. Now, to, there, there is coming a day that we, this body will be, our circumcision will be completely manifest, right? Which just means that we'll put this body aside, right? And we'll put on a perfect body. So today, our spirits have been made perfect. Tomorrow, our body will receive its redemption. Our body will receive its circumcision, if you will, or maybe even redemption is a better way to put it, right? We, it, it, will, it will receive the adoption, its adoption, right? Um, so that's kind of what, what I want to show you today is is this, and you know, if you have to listen to this again, that's fine, you know, I think we're gonna go through quite a bit, but there is, there is an understanding that the Lord wants to give us um, without letting go of what you already know, right? So, so this is something we already know. We already know, right, and if you don't know it, then you, you, you'll hear it now, right, that um, we still have a heavenly, we still have an earthly body, but because we have been made perfect in our spirit, Second Peter talks about, I believe, Second Peter 1, I believe, says that we have been made partakers of the divine nature, right? So let, let's just turn there real quick for, so that we're not uh, guessing here, right? So I believe it is Second Peter, Second Peter chapter 1, and if it's not, uh, I'll correct it in a second, yeah. So it says Second um, Peter chapter 1 and verse number 2. It says, grace and peace be multiplied to you, to us, Right, grace and peace is multiplied. Grace being everything that we have received from God, right? Grace and peace is multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine nature, as His sorry, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. Um, it says by which we have been given exceedingly and great and precious promises that through these we may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped, escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. In other words, what that's saying is that we, we are perfect inside, like we just read from Hebrews 11. Our, the spirits of just men made perfect. But we're not perfect on the outside, and we don't think perfectly, right? So that gives you, if you ever wondered, why is it that the Lord tells us that we're perfect, that we're blameless, that we're righteous, and yet we still do wrong stuff, right? That's your reason right there, right? Your spirit has been made perfect. Your mind needs to be renewed every day. The Lord wants to teach you so your mind can be renewed. That's Romans chapter 12, right? And your body is still earthly. But even though you live, we live today in an earthly body, right? The body, this body is the temple of the spirit of God. In other words, he lives and dwells inside of us. That's why the Bible says that, that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost, right? We're the temple of the Holy Spirit, which means that God, the Father, and the Son lived in us by their spirit, right? They live on the inside of us. So, so even though, yes, this is earthly, yet the Lord wants to make sure that we don't, while we start hearing these things that I'm going to share with you today, that we don't let go of the basis of what we know, which is that even though you have an earthly body, you can still partake of the divine nature that you have in you. In other words, you, you no longer have a sinful nature. You have a divine nature nature. Those are not the same things, right? Some translations, like the New Living Translation, which I do not encourage you to read, that's just a, it's a, it's a New Living paraphrase of the Bible, which a paraphrase, obviously, you've heard it before, is just all that, that is, a paraphrase is, is just the opinion of the translator, right? We don't want opinions of translators. We want to see the text as original as you can read it, 
right? That's why we always encourage you to read a word-for-word translation, which would be the King James or the New King James. It's not because we think that the King James is the best translation that there is, right? Because there are better translations than the King James, like literal translations, but they're even harder to read sometimes than even the King James is. So, but, but when you, when you, um, when, as you continue to be taught of God, right, your mind continues to be renewed, right, and you will be, become a partaker of the divine nature, not of, a sin, not of a sinful nature which has been put aside, right? In other words, what, your nature before you were saved was sinful, right? That, I mean, you just, you were prone to sin, right, because you were born after Adam, right? It wasn't your fault. That's how you were born. You don't teach a little baby to smack another kid in the head. They're born with the ability to do that, right? They don't have to be taught to do that. They just do it by, by birth, right? In other words, we're, we're, we, you don't have to teach us to sin. That comes naturally to us, right? In other words, sin just means wrong. Sin doesn't mean like, did you perform, you know, the, the, one of the seven cardinal sins. Sin just means doing something wrong. So th- today, we still do things that are wrong, right? But the more and more that your mind is renewed, the more and more that your ways become his ways, right? And you, and you find that your ways become more and more righteous, not because you're trying to earn something from God, but because you're partaking, right, of the righteousness that you have in you, the, the rightness, right, the, the way of doing and being correct, right? Um, so, 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 so the one thing that uh, as we go through this that you don't want to let go is that, um, and, and I'll explain it to you like this. When we were saved, we received eternal life. Now that's something that I think the church across the board agrees on, right? The majority of the Christian church today agrees that we have received eternal life. Now, what l- eternal life is varies greatly, <laughs> right? Because some people believe, oh, well, eternal life is just, you know, we're going to live forever in heven, which... That's not even true, right? You're not going to live forever in heaven anyway. The Bible says that there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, right? People imagine like they're playing harps in heaven or something. I don't know where people get that stuff from. But anyway, right, that's what some people believe eternal life is. But God describes exactly what eternal life is, right? He, he says that we, will, that we will live forever, right? That's why, you know, for the segment of the church, I think a large segment of the church believes that people can be healed, right? That when Jesus said, heal the sick, cast out devils, raise the dead, right? In other words, how is that happening? How do, how, how do you, we as the church lay hands on the sick, Jesus says, and see them, and we'll see them recover? Like, how, how does that occur? Is it because, you know, there are like, like sparks of power that come into us from heaven and stuff like that happens? You just, you don't really know. You just lay your hands on somebody and then if God wills it, you know, electricity comes from heaven through your arm and it will just make somebody well, right? That, that's not how that works. We have been given eternal life. Right? And the apostle, when he spoke to the lame man by the gate called Beautiful, he says, such as I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up. So he was given from what he has, not from what he's going to get, not from what he hopes to get, not from what maybe someday God will do a miracle, send a miracle dove and this will be able to happen, right? But he, he's given from what he has. So, so there is an understanding, there is an understanding within the church, right, and things that have been taught us that we have, right, we have an inheritance in us. In other words, we have life on the inside of us. And that life that you have, you can partake of it and you can also share it, right? Now, there, there is confusion that comes to people sometimes where, where they say, okay, the only way for someone to be healed is by faith. 
But then they see like a miracle like that, like the man, the lame man by the gate called beautiful. The Bible doesn't say that he had any faith, right? And yet, yet he, got, he got healed. And all these people that are, that are mentioned throughout Scripture that are healed but doesn't look like they really believe, so how did they get healed? Well, but that's just it, right? That, that no one ever receives anything on this planet without faith in Jesus. Never. Never have, never will, right? But it doesn't have to be your faith, right? It could be John, right, the apostle John praying for someone, and he shares the life in him with you, right? That's why there is a thing called the laying on of hands, right? That's why there is a thing called praying for one another. That's why there is a thing called as if you're, if you're sick, you come to the elders of the church, right, and, and the prayer of faith will heal the sick, right? Well, so what is that all talking about that's all talking about the fact that we can share the life that we have in us you can share it with other people i mean that's a beautiful thing that's what jesus did right jesus came and he shared the life of god that was in him he 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 raised many people right from the dead he he healed many people right and how did he do that he was sharing from the life of god that was in him the same life that Christ has is the same life that we've been given. Well, how do you know that, Pastor Jose, right? Because we have the same spirit, right? The spirit that is in the Father is the Holy Spirit. The spirit that is in Jesus is the Holy Spirit, right? That's why he's called the Holy Spirit, right? In other words, it's not not the spirit of the world, it's the Holy Spirit. In other words, it is the spirit belonging to him that is holy, and God is holy, right? So, so, So that's the spirit that we have been given. The same spirit of the Father, and when you read, I think it's in John... I want to say 14, but it's somewhere between 14 and 17. Maybe it's 17, I don't know. But he says, uh, maybe it's 14, I don't know. He, he says that, um, he, he said, I will not leave you orphans. Jesus said, he said, I will come to you. He said, actually, he said, me and my father will come to you, and we will make our home in you. We will make our abode, some translations say, in you, right? So he comes to live inside of us by his spirit. So we have that life of God. Now, I said all of that to say this, that the life that we have been given, you're not going to get more of it, okay? There's, there's nothing in Scripture at all, ever, that talks about any of that, right? In other words, we have been made a new creation we, we talked about before, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we have been made a new creation. That, you're never going to be made new again. You're, you're a new creation right now. You're new. Now, this body is not new. But you are new, right? I think the whole church can agree that we are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, and all things are of God. We know that, right? So since we know that we have a newness that is of God, right, what's happening and what I'm going to show you scripture after scripture so you can see this and know that it's correct, right, um, what's going to happen is that that newness that we have in us is going to be completely manifest outside of us. So it's in you now. It will be outside of you tomorrow. Right? In other words, the life that you have in you today will fully come out of you. And we know how it's going to come about, right? Because it's going to come about the same way that I read to you before. Grace and peace, that which we have in us, is multiplied through the knowledge of him. In the day when you know Christ fully, it's going to happen the same way. You, it will, you will know him fully. You will see him as he is. And, and I'll read that to you. I'll read that to you so we can see that clearly. Uh, let, let me see where that is. <clears throat> In um, 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, listen to what it says. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 1, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called the sons of God. 
right? So Pastor Jose didn't call us the sons of God, right? God called you sons of God. A son is not a male heir. A son is one that's like his father, right? That's what son means, right? Son is one that's like his father. That's why we call him our what? Our heavenly father, right? Why? Because he's not your earthly father. If he were your earthly father, then you will have earthly traits. If he were your earthly father, you would have an earthly nature, right? But you do not have earthly traits, right? You have leftover stuff, right? And you, but you, and you don't have an earthly nature. You have a heavenly nature, right? And I'll show you even that. But he said, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us through, his, through the death of his Son, right? That we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knows us not because it knew him not. So here it ties someone being able to know you. In order for them to know you, they have to know him. Now, granted, I get it. You know, while, while your mind is being renewed, sometimes you can get together with people that don't know Jesus at all, and you say, oh, it's so great. We have so much in common. It's so, we had such a great time. It was so much fun, right? But the more and more that you grow in Christ, the more and more that you find that, you know what, we're really not that much alike. And the stuff that I want to talk about is not the stuff that you want to talk about. And the stuff that I want to do is not the stuff that you want to do. Now, granted, everybody can just go and ride a roller coaster, right? We can all have fun doing stuff, right? But anybody can do that, right? Anybody can go to a great adventure and have a blast going to a great adventure and getting on a ride, right? But that's not what we're talking about. It's the things that come out of your mouth. In other words, the world can hear the world, but the world cannot hear the Lord, right? In other words, when you, when you begin to speak about things that are of life and eternal life, so... The, the world sounds like this. Oh, how you doing? You feeling, you feeling good this morning? You know, I noticed, oh, yeah, you know what it is? Just I'm getting old, you know? Uh, you know what it is, you know, after 40, you know, it's all downhill from then. And you know how it is, you know, getting the gray hairs, you know, my body's falling apart, you know? You know, you know, that, you know what people that talk like that are people that cannot get their mind off of death. It's like death is just a part of this, and I'm just talking to you about death, 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 death. Death and corruption. This is how I live. This is what I feel. Can't help death. Death is so powerful that no one's ever done anything about death. And since, you know, sin is in the world and death by sin, therefore death reigns in my body. That's kind of what they're saying, right? I can't get away from it. Just like to talk about it to you. God forbid that you would respond and say, well, you know what? That's not how I live, though. Right? The Lord has given me life from the day that I was born again. The Lord gave me his life. And you know what? Even though this body wants to corrupt, the Lord continues to give life by the spirit that is in me to my, to my physical body. He said he will give, if the spirit that is in you is the same spirit that is of Christ, so if Christ is in you, that spirit will give life to your mortal body. Now, people, if you said that, people will look at you like, you're right, you're a nut and you're a fanatic and I don't want to talk to you anymore. Right? Why? Because that sounds very different, doesn't it? Sounds kind of contrary to the world. You know, it's almost, it's, it's almost like this, right? I'll tell you this. I used to think, like, when, when it's a funny thing. Like, when I used to hear people say that, uh, when, and, and people still say that to me, obviously, because, you know, I, I'm, I'm still in the world. I talk to people that are unsaved all the time. I'm not trying to run from people, right? I, I, I will gladly stay with you, but you just have to know what you're getting when you hang out with me, Right? I don't, mind, I don't mind hanging out with anyone. It's just that people have to know who you are. And since they can't know you, that means that you're going to say stuff sometimes that is a little weird to them and strange to them, right? And, and that's part, of, part and parcel of hanging out with people that are not of this world, right? So, so, so what happens is people get used to saying things like that. And when people today say, yeah, you know, it's just age, you know, I'm just getting old. You know what? That to me, 
That, that, I, I don't even find that humorous. Like, like to me, that's like such a disgusting thing to say. Like, like, would you come up to somebody if I asked you, oh, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing good, just planning to die. Like, that's ridiculous, right? Like, why would you say that? Planning to die? Like, what are you doing? You're living to just die? But that is essentially the way the world lives apart from Jesus, right? They're just, that's why they have bucket lists, right? Isn't that like a, the, the cute term? You know what that bucket list, you know what it means? Let's just make it plain, right? So it doesn't sound cute. A bucket list is do everything that you can before you drop dead. That's what a bucket list is. And that's the stupidest thing that a Christian should ever do, right? Is plan to die. Kind of like you make out a budget for a month, right? Make out a budget for your life because you only got so much of it, so you might as well do everything that you can before you go, right? In other words, that's how the world lives. Drink and eat for tomorrow you die. That's how the world lives. Live it up now, right, because you're going to die. That's why people, right, if they've been given a diagnosis, they start getting credit cards, start spending money, and then, and then God forbid their stuff goes into remission, and now they're in debt for the rest of their life, right? But, but it's a thinking. It's a bad way to think, right? It's a thinking that counts, is counting on death like no one did anything about it. But can I tell you something? This is something that we obviously should have top of mind, and this is something that we should be able to be taught of God so that we can speak it to others. There is good news about death. There is great news about death. You know what the great news about death is? That death came from sin, and there was somebody that came and did something about sin. And you know what? If Jesus would not have come and done something about sin, then we would all be with totally every excuse in the book to live like the world does. But the fact that he did something about sin, right? That's why the Bible says that death, where is your sting, right? It says the sting of death is sin, right? And the strength of sin is the law. We no longer live by the law of Moses, right? Nor are we captive to sin anymore. So why why does the church still live captive to death, right? If, if, if there is, see, there is a law that works in this world. It's called the law of, of sin and death. That means that because there's sin in the world, people die, right? But if we have been delivered from sin, why do we still think that we have not been given this thing called eternal life and that you cannot be made well? Now, now here's what I'm going to show you, and I have to really hurry up on this, right? That, that there is coming a day well, we will, well, and I'm going to put it to you like this, and I, it's going to sound a little weird, so just hold on a second, right? <laughs> hold on to something, right? right? We're going to give birth to Christ one day, right? Let me show you something. Let me show you something, right? S- sounds a little weird. I get it. We're, n- we're not used to hearing that very much. But, um, so look at Luke, Luke chapter 1 and verse number 59. Luke chapter 1 and verse number 59. And it says, And it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they called him Zacharias. So this is, this is Elizabeth, right? Elizabeth was married to a man named Zacharias. They were both righteous people. He was a priest, right? And he was praying. Zacharias had been praying that he wanted a child, but his wife was barren, right? So so because they're both righteous and they love the Lord and they're seeking the Lord, he said an angel appears to Zacharias and says, you are going to have a son. The Lord has heard your prayer and you will have a son, right, because you have faith, right? So because people have faith, they can receive life. So even though their insides, their organs, right, their reproductive organs in this case, right, don't work anymore. They're both old, right? It, it, the Bible says they were both stricken in years, right? They were both old, 
right? That's not the first example, obviously. You have another example in Abraham and Sarah, same thing, right? But their organs were not working. They were, they were too old to work anymore. But the Lord said, you know what? She is going to have a child, and it's not going to come like Mary's child came, right? It's going to come through the fact that I'm going to give life to you, right? Righteous people can have life. It said that the Spirit of God is life because of righteousness. So if you are righteous, you shouldn't be afraid of life, right? If you are righteous, you shouldn't be shocked when you experience life because that's the right that you have to what you've been given. God gave you eternal life, right? And you can be a partaker of that through the righteousness that you've been given. So Zacharias is now born, right? Actually, sorry, not Zacharias. They named him Zacharias, but the baby is born. Elizabeth has a child. Now, the interesting thing about this is that when Zacharias was, um, when Zacharias heard the angel tell him that he was going to have a child, he, he didn't believe, and he was not going to believe until he saw it. So the angel shut his mouth. He said, you will be dumb, and you will not speak, right? So, so from the time that he heard the angel say that until the time that his wife became pregnant and gave birth, which it takes about nine months for a child to be born, right? He could not speak. He could not say a word. He could just motion and write stuff down. So eight days after the child is born, eight days after he's born, the people that came around to circumcise him say, we shall name him Zacharias. Why? Why were they going to name the child Zacharias? This is John the Baptist, by the way, just so you know the punchline. It's not Zacharias the Baptist. It's John the Baptist, right? But, but the people around them say, his name shall be Zacharias, right? And the reason why they named him that is because they're naming him after his earthly father. His earthly father was Zacharias, and they actually say that, right? They say, we shall, and I'll read it to you, right? We shall name him, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father, right? After the name of his father. And his mother, Elizabeth, right, answered and said, not so, but he shall be called John. And then they respond to her, and they said, there is none of your kindred that is called by this name, and they made signs to his father how we would have them called. In other words, they said, you know what? There's something wrong with your wife here. She's not naming the kid after her father. Come over here, you, and, and figure out, straighten this out. Straighten her out. And then he says, get me, listen, get me something to write on. And, I, and this is an important piece, right? He says, get me something to write on. Because our names, the Bible says, that we, 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 our names are written, Right? Not just written in the book of life, but that our names are written on us. In other words, like graved. I know, I know grave is not a word that's used that way anymore. Normally it's engrave, right? But, but our names are graved on us, written on us, right? And, and right now in our spirit, right, the name, right, is the name of God. In other words, we are as he is. But our bodies are not so yet, right? But, but, but he says, he said, get me a writing tablet in verse number 63, and he wrote saying, his name is John, right? So, and, and he wrote, he, he gave them that name. He gave them that name, why? Because God said, this is his name. The interesting thing, we won't go into this, but as soon as he said that, right, his mouth was opened again. He was able to speak again. Why? Because now he's saying things that are according to the Lord and not according to doubt and unbelief, right? Um, but believe me, and it doesn't mean that God makes everyone mute that speaks unbelief because a lot of people would be mute these days. But anyway, so, and so, so that same concept, right, that same concept of circumcision comes and then a name. In other words, that's a symbol of the fact that we get our name, our new name comes 
after salvation, right? After salvation, after we're made new, we receive a name, a new name, right? In other words, I am no longer after my father. So here's something you never have to say again. Well, you know what? You look like you have a really bad temper. Yeah, you know, my father was the same way, and now that's me too, right? Because it don't matter who your daddy was. You have a new daddy, right? So you can act like your new daddy, and you are out of excuses to say that you have to be the way you are because it's a gene, because you got different genes, right? You have a different nature. You have a different father, and you call him, not me just alone, but we all call him our heavenly father. So he's, more of, he's, he's your heavenly father more than just in name, right? Because the church thinks that he's my heavenly father just in name. But no, you were made new as he is. Your spirit is brand new. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new, and all things that are new are of God. So that is not just a little naming thing that, oh, he's my heavenly father, and one day he'll be my real father. No, he's your real father right now. You were born of the Spirit. You ever read that? Born of the Spirit. We are born of God. Born of God. You weren't born of, so you are no longer a, a, a son of Adam, right? You are a son of God. You are no longer a son of Adam. You are a son of God, right? That's a big, huge difference, huge difference to who you are, right? But, um, but, um, so, so let's, go, let's go to Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, and verse number 21. Very, very similar thing to John the Baptist, right? His name, obviously, was called John, right? And he became the one, the Bible says, the greatest prophet that ever lived of the Old Testament because he came to prepare a way for the Lord, right? In Luke chapter 2, it says, and when eight days were accomplished, same way as John, right? Eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child. His name was called Jesus, right? So obviously the parents, Joseph and Mary, had no debate about what his name was going to be. Um, Mary, even though I, I did tell you uh, last service, I believe Wednesday night, I did share with you how, you know, Zacharias and Mary both questioned you know, Mary was saying, how am I going to have a child? I don't even know a man. In other words, I've never been intimate with a man. How could I be pregnant, right? And then Zacharias was saying, how can my wife Elizabeth have a child? We're both old. There's nothing wrong with asking God a question. It's just that Zacharias would not believe until he saw. So when he saw the child, right, that's when he believed, right? Mary was not like that. Mary said, be it on, she asked the question and the angel explained. And then after she heard the explanation, she said, be it unto me, just like you said. In other words, she believed the word of Gabriel. It was the same angel, same messenger, which doesn't mean anything, but it was the same messenger that came to Zacharias, was the same messenger that came to Mary, right? And Mary named him Jesus, right? Same thing, um, eight, days, uh, eight, days, eight days after his birth, he was circumcised, and then, right, Jesus was born. Um, in, in Luke chapter 1, and we don't have to go there necessarily, but Luke chapter 1, it talks about um, the fullness of time. So we just want to skip this so we can wrap up here, right? There is a lot of talk about the fullness of time. And what that's talking about is, obviously, when you read about the fullness of time, Elizabeth gave birth. Birth In the fullness of time, then Mary gave birth. It's talking about when their time came to be delivered, right? In other words, it, 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 the, the time is right now, right? because the time has elapsed and now it's time for them to give birth, right? It, it, it's very similar language, right, that's used for us, right? Th that we know that there, the, th there is a fullness of time that will come and the fullness of time for you is when you know fully, 
right? The fullness of time for you is when you know fully. I think, I think we already read this, but in 1 John, I believe it was chapter 3, if I'm not mistaken, but we said that we shall be like him, right, when we see him as he is. I, th- I, think, I, think we, I don't know if we read the entire thing. Let me see if I have it right here. 1 John chapter 3 is where we were. In, uh, maybe we can go there real quick. 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 2. 1 John chapter 3, verse number 2, it says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. Right? In other words, we are today sons of God. It says, but it has not yet appeared like what our body is going to look like. We know that it's going to be a heavenly body, but we just don't know what it's going to look like. Right? But it says, um, but we know, but this we do know, right? That when, we sh- when he shall appear, meaning Jesus, when he shall appear, in other words, when he is seen, we shall be like him. So you don't know what your body is going to be like, but you know it's just going to be like his body. It says, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's important, right? We shall see him as he is. So the, the time when the fullness of time comes where you can put aside this earthly body and put on a body like his, the fullness of time comes when you know him fully. In other words, when you see him as he is. Right? And that's not just talking about like seeing him. When people say like seeing him face to face, they think it just means, you know, when I, when I'm, when I look into his eyes. But that's, that's not what it means. It, it means when you see him. In other words, in your heart and mind, faith is, faith is seeing. Faith is not um, wishful thinking. Right? Faith is the knowledge of Christ. So, in other words, today the knowledge of Christ that you have is real knowledge. It's not like make-believe knowledge. It's real knowledge of the Lord that you have of him, even though you've never seen him with physical eyes. That's why we live by faith and not by sight, because you can, you can know without seeing, right? You don't have to be like Zacharias. Zacharias didn't believe until he saw, right? We could be more like, like a Mary, right, that, that, that believed without seeing. So you have knowledge without seeing with your physical eyes, right? So, um, so it says we shall see him, it says, as he is. Um, in... Um, in 1 Corinthians, let's go there real quick. 1 Corinthians 15, 46. 1 Corinthians 15, 46. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 46 says, However, that um, was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterward the spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. That's Adam, right? The second man is the Lord of heaven, right? So there's the first man is the second man. One's earthly, the other one's heavenly. As is the earthy, such are also they that are earthy. In other words, those that don't have a heavenly father, those that are not born of God, are earthy. In other words, just like the first man, earthy, right? Um, it, it says, and as is the heavenly, which is Jesus, right? And as is the heavenly, it says, such are they that are heavenly, right? Not, now, such are they. It doesn't say such are going to be. Such, such, such are they. See, right? See, that's, that's the beautiful thing. When, when my daughter, Lindsay, was, well, she was she's right there. <laughs> my daughter, Lindsay, she, when she was little, um, I used to always see, you know, she would be just as content as playing with kids or by herself, right? And I always used to think like, like oh, like always like, go, go, honey, like play with them. And then after a while, I'm like, you know what? Like, why am I doing that? Like, what am I teaching her? That she can't be happy and be content unless she's surrounded by all the popular kids, unless she's surrounded by people, let her play alone. If she's happy playing alone, play alone. If you want to play with kids, play with kids. Who cares? I mean, that's not the word, the way the world thinks. Oh, you have to give your children ta- uh, the ability to be able to socialize because if not, they'll be hermits and blah, 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 blah. That, listen, 
They're grown now. They're like 33 and 30, I think. Something like that, right? <laughs> and, and, right, they, they are not antisocial people, right? One's a preacher and the other one's your worship leader. So they didn't suffer socially from, from anything, right? But what, what I did learn, I, you did, I, I did see is that, right, they were able to just be content with just doing what they were doing, right? And, and that, meant, that meant that they didn't grow up thinking that they have to be like anybody else, imitate anybody else, right? Dress like anybody else, look like anybody else, right? They could just be, right? As God was, they were growing up in the Lord, they were content, right? Obviously, they weren't perfect. Not all the time were they content, right? But most of the time, they grew up content, right? Cool stuff to teach your kids. Um, but anyway, um, so it says that such are they also that are heavenly. Verse 49 says, and as we have born, listen, this is so important, my God. As we have born, it says, as we have, as we have born the image of the earthy, that, that's speaking about outwardly, right? As you have born that image, that earthly image, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. In other words, there is a time that's coming, right, where we're, the immortality that you have heard through the gospel that's in you, right, will swallow up this earthly body, right? It will totally swallow it up. But the beautiful thing, and this is what the Lord reminded me, right? He says, as I'm showing you this, don't let go of what I already told you, right? In other words, yes, there is a day coming where immortality, all the immortality in me will swallow up this mortality. But I still know that today is the day I've already been given that, that life in me. So in other words, I'm not waiting for more life. In other words, the eternal life that I've been given, I have it. We have it already. Let's start living it. You know what I'm saying? Like, in other words, the church has life. What are we waiting for? Like, what are we waiting for? Well, I'm waiting for Jesus to come back. Why? He already gave it to you. If he wanted you to wait, he would have waited and given it to you then. <laughs> right? He said, I've given you life now. Now I've given you life. Now. So in other words, so suffering can be put to an end, right? The, the, living earthly can be a thing of the past. It, like you can grow out of it. <laughs> you can definitely grow, as you grow in Christ, you can grow right out of this world where the shoe of this world does not fit you anymore. And you know what? That's an awesome thing. That when you go to put the shoe of this world, it does not fit you anymore. And you don't like it. You've grown much more stylish, right? Right? You have better taste now than just a taste of this world because you have tasted and seen of the goodness of God and you've grown to hear and to love him and that's the kind of stuff that you like to hear and that's the kind of things that you like to be around, right? Everything changes from there, right? Everything changes. So it says you'll also bear the image of the heavenly. Verse 50 says, uh, now I say, brothers, that flesh and blood, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. It says, behold, I show you a, mis a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkle of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortals shall put on immortality then shall be brought to pass that which is written death is swallowed up in victory oh death where is your sting oh grave where is your victory the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law but thanks be to God who gives us who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ so here's the thing you know that there is an end of this thing right, where Christ will come back and we will completely put on immortality. But the good news is this. The way that immortality comes 
is this going to be birthed from you? Listen, the way Mary had Christ in her, right? And, and her body was used as a temple, right, to house the Lord, right? And then she gave birth to him, right? So, so in other words, so she had, she, had, she had life in her. She had life in her. And then, and then that life of God, right, then came out of her, right? In the same way, and I'll show you, I'll show you a verse that shows this beautifully. Um, in Revelation chapter 21, Revelation, sorry, let's read, uh, yeah, Revelation 21 and verse number one. Remember that we said that we are, we are new creations, right? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And the all things that are new, those are of God, right? What that is, let me, let me tell you this. What that is is that we have uh, heaven in us, but it's not all out here, right? So we're saved, right? We have the spirit of God in us. But that's, we, we haven't put it on, right? We're not crowned with life yet fully, right? We're not, we have not been adorned completely with the glory of God. We have the glory of God in us, but outwardly we're not adorned with the glory of God, right? Um, Revelation 21, verse number one. Verse number one says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. That does not say, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth and Christians with, were made new. No, it's heaven and earth is made new, not you. You were already made new, right? The language is identical to 2 Corinthians 5, 17 because it's the same life that's doing it, right? It's the exact same life. Um, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first, first earth were passed away, right? Remember 2 Corinthians 5, 17? Old things have passed away. Same language for the heaven and earth. Heaven is every heaven that's not the heaven of God. All the heavens beneath God will be made new. This earth which is not according to God yet, right? That's why you see so much, so much bad stuff happening in it, right? This, this earth and the heavens will all, God will reign in the heavens and on this earth, right? He doesn't yet reign fully in this body, but he does reign fully in our spirit, and one day we will, he will reign in this body as well fully, right? He will reign also in heaven and in earth fully. Um, he said, and there was no more sea. Verse number two says, and I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven. Now, um, we don't have time to go into it, but we have read it before. Revelation chapter 3, one of the letters that's written to the church says that, that for him, and I'll just read it to you, but don't go there so it doesn't confuse folks. Revelation chapter 3 and verse number 12 says, He that overcomes, I will make him a pillar right, fruitful in the temple of my God, and he shall go out and I will write on him the name of my God. He said he will write on you, he will, he will grave on you the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is the New Jerusalem, right? In other words, so, so the reference to the New Jerusalem is us, right? That's us. That's us being, now, now what we have in us, heaven, right? It says the New Jerusalem which comes out of heaven from God and I will write on him my new name. So all of that, what he's saying is, Everything that's in you that's of God, I'm gonna, it's all going to come out and it's going to be on you. Not just in you, but then now it's going to be on you, right? And it, that's what Revelation 21 is talking about when he says, I saw the new Jerusalem. What he's seeing is the church. Now, what's the difference between the church today and the church then, right? We all have the same life. We don't get new life when Jesus comes back. But the difference is that what is in you comes out. In other words, now you are prepared outwardly. Jesus, John came to prepare, right, 
us to be able to receive the Messiah. So we would made John the Baptist, right, uh, dunked, he baptized in water. Jesus came and baptized us with the Holy Spirit, right? So we have been made new inside. When the Lord comes back again, what, that which is in you then will adorn your outward. So you were prepared before, now your outward man, right, will be prepared as well. And you'll see that in a second. He says, for the first heaven and the first earth uh, passed away, and there was no more sea. Verse 2, and I, and I John, uh, sorry, you were probably on to. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. I'll, I'll tell you what that, you'll, you'll read it in a second, but the bride of Christ, which is us, our preparation is the glory of God. In other words, the glory that you have in you is the glory that will be seen. In other words, the, the angel, you'll see it later, he'll say, come. He said, let me show you the church. And, and he points to the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven, and it says that you could see the glory of God on her. Not just in her, but on her, right? The tent of God is on her, right? It says, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Verse 3 says, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle, the tent of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. In other words, will be completely as he is, right? Inside and outside now. Inside and outside. And then verse number four says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things have passed away. But you see, why do we have a promise of a day to come where there'll be no more tears and no more pain? You know why? Because the no more tears and the no more pain, right, is what you have in you. That's why you can see someone in pain. See someone lame where their legs don't work anymore, where they can't walk, and they, their only recourse and resource at that time was just to beg and have somebody give them handouts, and you can say, such as I have, the no more pain that I have in me, I give unto you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, which is an heir of God, and I am a joint heir with him, rise up and walk according to what he's given me, and because of what he's done. Not because of what I've done, but because of what he's done, rise up and walk, right? Huge difference there, right? It, it, he, he, that, that's what you have in you, right? You have in you no, no more tears. You have in you no more death, no sorrow, no more pain, right? Verse number five, he says, and he that sat on the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done, which that done means it means it's fully manifest. It doesn't mean that it's done like it is finished when Jesus was hanging on the cross. That word it is done means it is fully seen. It is fully visible. It's fully manifest now, right? Um, John 19, 30 is where he, that reference is about it is finished, right? But here it says that word done doesn't mean not, it was done then it means now it's fully manifest. It's fully seen. In other words, the glory that we had in us now is fully manifest outside, right? The glory of God. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to him that is thirsty of the fountain of water of life freely. He that overcomes shall inherit all things, and he, um, I will be his God, and he shall be my son. So let me read this last verse to you then, and I think we're right on time. Uh, and we're going to end here in Revelation 21. Jump down to verse number 9. And there came to me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues. And he talked with me, saying, come here. He said, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. Right? That's us. Right? The, the beautiful thing is we are 
married to the Lord, right? The Bible says in John that we are, that we were, I believe it's in John, but it says that we're one flesh, with, one spirit with him, right? The same way that when you're married and you're intimate, right, you're one flesh with your wife, right? Um, a man and his wife become one flesh. The same way when we have received the spirit of God, we're one spirit with the Lord, right? Here it says, right, that, but our body obviously is not married to the Lord yet, right? Because it's still earthly. So earthly, heavenly doesn't match, right? What, what, what communion does earthly stuff have with heavenly stuff? None, right? So, so, so the whole thing about us being not being unequally yoked is, doesn't just come from the fact that some kind of political legalistic thing. It's the fact that what, what, what fellowship, what happiness, what joy can heavenly have with earthly? Not good. You're going to be at each other's throats all the time. Why? Because heavenly and earthly don't mix, like oil and water, right? It does not mix. It doesn't work, right? It, it, it doesn't make for a joyous union, right? I mean, people do it anyway, and then they just suffer through the whole thing, but that's not the way it's intended to be, right? But it says, um, he said, let me show you the, the, the bride, the lamb's wife, in verse number 10, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and he showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem. Remember we said, right, who is the new Jerusalem, right? The churches adorned with the glory of God we read in the previous verses. It says, he said, let me show you the, the, the lamb's wife, and watch how she was adorned. It says, the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven, verse 11 says, having the glory of God. That's the adornment of verse number two, right? Having the glory of God and her light was like a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, right? And you know, there is a reference here. I'm just going to mention it to you, but in, in verse number 17, there's a reference made that the Lord will write our name on a white stone. It is interesting that white there actually means light, right? And that here it says that her light was like a stone, right? In, in other words, the, it's describing the glory of God, and it says her, her light was as a stone, right? I believe the reference when he says that he will write on us, right, his new name, what he's talking about is when you're clothed with the glory of God, you are as he is. In other words, when you say in the name of Jesus, you're saying I am, I, what I'm saying, I'm saying in accordance to who I know he is. That's his name. You know who he is. It's not J-E-S-U-S, -S, right? Demons don't run from J-E-S-U-S. -S. Like you can, you can not be saved and spell it to a demon and they're not going to go anywhere. Right? You, you can't just not know the Lord and go up to a demon and say, J-E-S-U-S. And then they're going to just run and, and, and flee and shout, right? That's not how it works, right? When, when a demon is cast out, he says, Jesus I know. And Paul I know, so I'll leave if he says so. But you, he said, I don't know who you are <laughs> because you're talking, but you don't know him, so therefore you have no authority here, right? So, so the authority that we have is not just because we say Jesus. It's not because you pull out a wooden cross, right? That's, like, that's Hollywood, vampire junk, right? That doesn't work. You don't put, demons ha can hold a cross, right? It's not like, oh, they flee, oh, you're short of cross, I'm melting, right? That doesn't work like that, right? The name of Jesus, in other words, who you know he is, right, is where the power comes from, right? It's the knowledge of Christ that you know. The, the, the salvation that you've been given is what they flee from, right? So anyway, but, but the, the beautiful thing, you know, and I'll, I'll stop right here, I'll shut this off. The, the thing for you to see is seeing who you are and who you've been made today it, it gives you, you know, understanding all the glory that you have in you, understanding how the, the intent, Miss Lindsay, Lindsay has a song 
that she says, and I don't know the exact words, right? But it says kind of like that the glory that we have in us, that it wasn't intended to stay in there, I think are the words, right? Um, but, but, you know, the, way, the beautiful thing to see is that he's put so much on the inside of us. And that's why the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1, he prays. He prays to people that have faith in God. And he said that you would receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him so that you could see the riches of the glory of the inheritance that's in the saints, right? Like we, we walk around sometimes completely oblivious to how rich we are, right? To the rich that just have financial wealth and don't know the Lord, the Lord says, you know what, I'm looking at you. He says, and you're poor and blind and destitute, right? You have nothing. But to us, whether we have money or don't have money, the Lord says, he said to one of the churches, he says, I see your poverty. He says, but you just haven't seen, you're rich. Like you don't see your riches. Listen, don't allow a society to lump you in as poor. And then you act poor, and you look poor, and you dress poor, and you talk poor, and you, you get so used to poverty, you get so used to saying, I can't, and I can't, and I can't, that you, you have put the entirety of your existence in the hands of an, 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 an economic state of a country, right? You could be in the middle of a famine, and God said, I will make birds come and bring you meat, right? I will put you next to a brook, well, what if it dries up? I will move you and have a widow who thinks she has nothing feed you. And if she listens to you, I will feed her because of you, right? You are not subject to this world. If you have Christ on the inside of you, right, you are already made, made for better things already. You have been made like he is, having the glory of God in you. Do not allow your identity to be dictated to you by a world that doesn't even know who you are. How can the world tell you who you are when they can't even know you because they don't know your father, right? In, in other words, when somebody says that to you, it ought to make you chuckle. <laughs> what do you tell me I can't? <laughs> well, you don't even know who I am. Not even, it's not that you don't know, it's that you can't know, <laughs> right? You can't know. Even if you wanted to know me, you can't know me, right? Because you don't know my father. But I invite you, though, if you want to see and get to know my father, then you can begin to understand who I am, right? And, and, and allow the Lord to begin to open up your mind to, you know what? There is no such thing in your life anymore as, you know what, as having to stay in your current situation. You know what? There is no shame for a Christian whether you're receiving help from the government, whether you're on food stamps, you know what? I can give two hoots about that. Nope, God cares nothing about the fact, right? There is no shame in where you are. There is shame in thinking you have to stay where you are. That God did everything that he did for you on a cross so that you just go on suffering until I return, right? Instead, he said, you know what? I have given you everything. Occupy and use what I've given you until I come right? The talents given, right? We're not, it's not like playing basketball, right? The talents that the Lord has given you, right, is, is his gospel, his truth, his spirit, his inheritance, right? Use it so that when I come back, right, right, you can, you can speak of all of the things, right? People can, can, can testify about the gospel that they have heard from you, the life that they have received from you, the things that you have shared from them, right? Right? Listen, you're not subject to an economy. You're not subject to a government. We want presidents that will have right policies. Can I tell you something? If you're waiting for a president to act perfect, you're never going to vote. <laughs> you're never going to vote. You know why? They're just people. And people will be people. 
right? So don't, listen, don't, don't be fooled by, by lustrous speeches, right? Look at what people are doing. If the policies that they're executing helps further the gospel, then go for it. That's the best that you're going to get right now. Until you get, you know, you could have King David there and he's going to do stupid stuff. He's going to kill people. He's going to do bad things. He's going to make bad decisions, right? He's not going to be, even, even a righteous king will not be a great king, right? That's why God didn't want people to have kings in the be- to begin with, right? He wanted to rule and reign over them, right? But anyway, so, so let's just pray. I'll let you go there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for each and every single person, Lord, for the things, my God, that you're desiring for us to hear and to know, Lord, and how you desire Christ in us. To, not, to be the one that lives, no longer I living, Lord, but Christ living in and through me, Lord. Doing, Lord, all of the good that needs to be done in this world, Lord. Feeding the poor, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out devils, Lord. All that needs to be done for it to be done, Lord. Living, Lord, prosperous and not living, Lord, in poverty and with an I can't mentality. But knowing, Lord, that inside of us is the spirit of, of all things are possible with God. And we have you, Lord. So all things are possible with God, and we have you already on the inside of us, so therefore we lack no good thing. We're missing nothing. We are not poor and destitute, Father. We are rich and honored and blessed people, Lord, that we would more and more see that, Lord, that your people would continue to hear and to listen, and that we would not be tossed to and fro, Lord, but that we would hear things that are according to Christ and put aside things that just sound like good news but are absent of Jesus. We thank you. We praise you. We love you, Lord. We bless your name, my God, and we thank you for making us as you are. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We love you, my God. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Reform Church. If you have, please share this with someone else and help us get this uncommon truth out to the world. If you'd like to support this good news, you can do so at reformchurch.com give. Also on our website, you can take advantage of our free messages, articles, and even full discipleship courses. Start reforming your mind now at reformchurch.com.